We're recording this on the evening of February 19, 2020, so there's five days left till trade deadline, and by the time you hear this, there will be no content left for Trade Center. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that didn't have time to come up with a better intro than this. I'm Stuart Jones, and with me is Darren Platt. Hello. Hey, Darren. Hi. That was, uh, a, that was a good intro. Yeah, it's uh, been busy, which is why we're like, you know, four or five days behind our recording schedule. <laughs> yup. But hey, no one noticed until I just said that, so that's fun. Exactly. No one's been crying out for new episodes, so no. we assume they didn't notice. Yeah, not that I've heard. No. Maybe they just don't know how to get a hold of us. <laughs> yeah. At Podcast BOA on Twitter. I didn't see the smoke signals, so. Oh yeah, that too. Uh, so I guess we'll start with our scorecard. Um, so the, early in February for the first couple weeks, so from February 3rd to 15th, we made some predictions about how well the Oilers and Flames would do, and uh, we weren't, no, no, we were pretty far off. We something. were? Was it bad? Uh, it, well, it's a mixed bag. I like being surprised because I can never remember <laughs> what I predicted. So the Oilers had six games in that period. I was... Cautiously optimistic, said they'd win four out of the six. You were in the middle, said they'd win three. Uh, you were actually right on that. They did go 500. Really? 3-3-0. Three, three oh. For some reason, I thought the Oilers did better. but I'll They have it. won another game since then, but that wasn't within our okay. prediction window. So okay. maybe that's why you're thinking that. But pretty close. All right. The Flames, for some reason, we were a bit more optimistic on. Weird. I thought they were going to win four out of the seven. You thought they were going to win five out of their seven. And they went 3-4-0. What happened roughly two weeks ago that would give me that much confidence in the Flames? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. This really enlightens me to how much of a roller coaster the season is. Because at some point two weeks ago, past Darren was like, I think the Flames are going to do well. You know what I think it was? The fact that it was the All-Star break, so you hadn't seen them play hockey in a while. Oh. <laughs> you just assumed they were good at it. Yeah, my optimism had slowly refilled over the All-Star break. It's yeah. A, it's a good call. So, uh, do you want to dig a little deeper on what the Flames did, or... Yeah, I can do that, because, I mean, I can't really do that, but I can give a surface-level <laughs> reading on how things are going for the Flames. So, they came out pretty flat out of the All-Star break. It was a little tough to watch, and we know this because we went to one of the games yep. at home against Nashville, where they won through, or pardon me, where Nashville won 3-2, and you may think, oh, that sounds like a good close game. It wasn't. No. It was boring. It was very boring. I'm sorry to the loyal listener that took us there, you know, kindly gave us free tickets to go to the game. I th I'm sure he would agree it was a pretty boring <laughs> game. <laughs> I love me some hockey, but that was rough. But something good did come of that game because afterwards, head coach Jeff Ward had a seven-minute press conference, and he kind of, I'm not going to say ripped the team to shreds, but he really gave sort of an ultimatum of sorts. He said, if these guys don't want to win games, they're not going to. As a coaching staff, we can't get out there and play. We can only get them ready, and then if they come out and fall on their faces for 60 minutes, there's not much we can do about that. And it seemed to work. You know, for two games, the Flames came out, they smoked Vancouver, and you're like, oh, that's a good sign. Vancouver's doing pretty well. And then they smoked San Jose, and you're like, okay, well, that's also good. San Jose's not great, but I'll take a good old-fashioned beating any day. And then uh, they promptly fell on their faces against L.A. And you're like, okay, did they, did they actually learn anything? 
And from that point on, we've kind of got a complete roller coaster of Flames thrashing other teams and then turning around a couple games later and getting thrashed by someone they shouldn't lose to. So I guess Ward's speech worked to a degree. The games are exciting now. Um, I'm kind of wondering if that's like because Giordano and, and Hamannick are both injured potentially for the rest of the season. So the, the defense is suffering. And the offense has picked up a lot. So now we've got kind of, uh, I would say, Oilers-esque games where there's not a lot of defense being played, but pucks are going in the net. Which I'm okay with watching, except the problem is the Flames will go ahead and lose, you know, 8-4 to four to someone like Chicago who had lost five straight going into the game against the Flames. It's just, it's a crazy time to be a Flames fan, especially with trade deadline coming up. What are they supposed to do? They have... Two of their top four defensemen are injured. They'll win some games and look like last year's superstars, and then they'll lose some games and look like they shouldn't be in the playoffs. What's Brad Treliving supposed to do? He's probably just as confused as we are coming up to trade deadline, thinking, you know, after one game, oh man, I better, you know, bust out my first round pick and trade it for someone that can help us in the playoffs. And the next game, he's like, should I just get rid of everybody on this team and start <laughs> over? I don't know. So, that's kind of where we're at with Flames hockey. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go a little bit easy on them because it is fun to watch when they're clicking right now. Even though it isn't like Johnny and Sean Monahan are still having some issues scoring, they're they've been pretty sparse lately. But you know, all the non-usuals are showing up. Sam Bennett, for some reason, is going off. Michael Backlund has remembered how to hockey. Mark Jankowski has turned into a sniper for the last 10 games and is just, like, scoring like crazy. So that is super fun to watch when it's clicking. And I think the biggest thing the Flames need to figure out is how to get this somewhat ragtag group of guys they've got on defense now because they had to call up Brandon Davidson and some guy named Alex Alexander Yellison who, if, you know, you don't follow too closely, you'll maybe be like, where did that guy come from? The answer is they signed him from the KHL and he's been playing on the farm team all year. That's where he came from. That's kind of where the Flames are at for defense right now. But, you know, it's it's almost impossible to predict what they're going to do one game to another. And I am all right with that to a degree. It's It makes it fun to watch knowing that they do have a chance to blow someone out of the water every night, right? That's kind of fun. <laughs> so I'm just... For now, I'm just going to expect the Flames to keep up the inconsistency because I don't know what else to predict. The The last 10 games or so have just been so up and down and so crazy and so light and day. I'm just going to assume that's going to continue into the playoffs. And you know what, Stu? I am somewhat okay with that. I'm coming to terms <laughs> with it. So that's what I've got for the Flames. What are you seeing from the Oilers? Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, I think the Oilers are doing pretty great right now. Great. Yeah, I would go so far wow. to say great. Um, I know I just said that over the first couple weeks in February, they went 500. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> uh, Championship but, level. But honestly, you know, they're they're doing pretty good. Um, they're currently on top of the division. That changes every five minutes in the Pacific. So, you know give it a moment or two and that will no longer be the case but and granted it is by far the worst division in the league this year 
Uh, but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take top of the worst division over like bottom of the best or middle of the best. Yeah. Even, right. Yeah. That sounds right. Optimism, <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, we'll just say it's because it's a hard division. It, it's not. <laughs> no. it's, it's just a bad division. But anyways, they're on top of it. So that's neat. <laughs> a little feather in the cap, if you will. Um, obviously, McDavid has been injured for the past week or two. Uh, so that was a little bit scary. Um, he should be coming back, I believe, tonight as we speak. I didn't check the official lineups or anything like speak, (laughs) but uh, he was out uh, for a few games, um, but they went three and one without him. That's uh, pretty impressive considering basically, you know, the rest of the league considers the Oilers a one person team. Mm -hmm. Turns out they're a two person team (laughs) (laughs) because Dreisaitl has had 12 points in the last five games. And he's on pace for, like, over 130 points this season if everything goes well. Uh, and that's just stupid. That's alarming. <laughs> yeah, that's it's just a ridiculous number. It's, like, not even real in this era of hockey. Um, so, you know, whether he actually keeps up with that pace, who knows. But that's pretty darn impressive. He's obviously been doing phenomenal uh, he's not playing with McDavid, uh, even when he wasn't injured. So he's holding his own and keeping the team afloat. Uh, Yamamoto, ever since he's been called back up um, in December, I believe it was. Probably should have checked that. (laughs) Anyways, he's had 18 games this year and has 18 points. So point per game player, we'll take that as well. No complaints there. It's kind of nice to call double point per game from the far. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Obviously, like, I'm not Thrilled that McDavid is injured, uh, but luckily it seems to be short-term. He's coming back, uh, so that's good. Uh, but, you know, we were able to get by without him for at least a little bit. Uh, we do have some more injuries. Uh, is going to be out for a few weeks now, so that's a little worrisome. Uh, but again, like, even the, the team stats as a whole seem to be doing fairly well. Um, since December 31st, they're on the top of the league for goals per game with four, so that's pretty impressive. Um... And their power play this year is apparently like almost record-breaking if it holds to the end of the season. Who knows if that'll be the case. But very impressive numbers. Uh, Currently, their power play is 29.5%. And the record for a full season is the 1980-81 Islanders with 29.3%. So now, sure, a lot of things can go wrong in the next 20 games. Completely granted. But uh, even still, after 60 games having a a record-breaking power play percentage is very impressive. So, you know, there's a lot of exciting things going on with the Oilers right now, despite being the top of only the worst division in the league. So I am, I will use this word again, I've used it many times before, cautiously optimistic <laughs> right now. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Holland is willing to do in time for the trade deadline, uh, particularly with some injuries. We'll see if maybe he wants to fill in some gaps that way. Um, I don't see him as trading away the farm or anything or first round picks because um, this year has kind of been a surprise year in the Oilers' longer term plan. He, like we weren't really expecting to be this good or even any good <laughs> this early on in Holland's uh, tenure. So uh, again, I don't think he's going to throw everything away just for one little run. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he picks up a few things. And like I said, I'm just excited about what's happening and. Uh, 
you know, call me again in two weeks and we'll see where that stands. Now it's time for Sellies and Scorns. I'm going to go first. And I'm going to move the mic over here so that I can read off of my computer. <laughs> All right. So I was browsing Reddit today, which is something I probably shouldn't admit, but I do sometimes. And uh, a story popped up that was hockey related. And it was actually a tweet from the site Elite Prospects, which is one of those places where if you Google a player's name, this site will come up and it'll have all their stats and everything. And you've probably clicked on it without knowing it if you've ever Googled someone's hockey stats. But anyways, it's a tweet from Elite Prospects. And the tweet says, email received from a college hockey player made us laugh out loud. And they posted the email, thankfully. So I'm going to read that email on here because it is fantastic. It says... My dear friends at Elite Prospects, after years of being a bench warmer, few minutes of being a starter, years of failure, and few minutes of successes, my goaltending career has finally come to an end. Long story short, my career was the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary definition of mediocre. Out of eight years of high school and college hockey, I started somewhere around 35 games out of, say, 195 or so. That's right around 18% math guy in brackets. Just completely subpar, folks. Now let's get into the statistics, my friends. Career goals against average has to be somewhere north of 3.3-ish. Brutal. Save percentage. South of 875. Terrible. The only thing hockey gave me was the love for the boys. And unfortunately, Elite Prospects doesn't have stats for that. With all of this being said, I am kindly asking you folks to either delete my pathetic profile so I never have to see it again, or add in my bio, mediocre career, but loves the boys and the boys love him. I hope this is not too much to ask for. I very much appreciate it. Cheers. That was the email sent by a college player to Elite Prospects, and I did follow up on that and check his profile. I'm sorry, I forgot to screenshot his name. But Elite Prospects did it. They put on his profile, mediocre career, but loves the boys and the boys love him. <laughs> so that that's my selly for Elite Prospects because that is absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad they shared that. That gave me a, a chuckle this morning. Well, uh, what a good segue because my selly is also related to less than mediocre goalie stats. Less than mediocre. <laughs> well, okay. It's from mediocre to poor. Uh, my celly is for karma and or the hockey gods, depending on how you want to put it. All right. And it's basically my chance to just poke fun at Riddick right now. Oh, that's rude. Yeah. So, I see um, where this is going. <laughs> this all comes from his good old little stick flip against the Oilers. Now, I already said on the record that I'm all for fun little things like that, but if you're going to do it, <laughs> you got to put up the, you got to deal with the crap that comes after it. Mm-hmm. Ever since that stick flip, uh, his goals against average has been 4.16, <laughs> and his save percentage has been 0. 0.872. <laughs> and uh, most recently, he got pulled against uh, the Blackhawks, who are not a good team right uh-huh. now. So, um, just gotta love a little bit of that <laughs> karma. Uh, I thought that was a fun little stat to see. Uh, again, seeing that stick flip, fun stuff, make hockey, give it a little bit more character, but 
so good to see that that happens afterwards. As a Flames fan, I can't say that I absolutely hate that he's getting punished for that. I mean, maybe he'll learn something from it, right? Who knows? Probably not. (laughs) Of course, maybe it's absolutely unrelated, but us superstitious hockey fans like to think there's some connection there, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, since you came at me with a, a flame stat as your celly, I'm going to come at you with something Oilers-related as a scorn. I'm sure you can guess what this is going to be. It's the same as mine, I'm guessing. Well, Zach Cassian, you can't kick people <laughs> with knives on your feet. I, I don't even know where to follow up with this because it's one thing for Zach Cassian to kick somebody. I still can't believe I have to say that. The dude <laughs> kicked somebody on the ice... Obviously, he got a suspension that seven games. And you know what? Online, everywhere, most people, the vast majority of people say, yeah, that was stupid. Especially Oilers fans are like, that was stupid. He deserves a suspension. I can't believe he would do something like that at this point of the season. All right, I'm going to say that. The majority of people understand that was a (laughs) stupid thing for him to do. But there are some Oilers media people that for some reason feel like they have to spin this to a positive light. And... As it was happening, I was reading Twitter, and they kept popping up with, well, maybe he didn't intend it. Or maybe the camera angle shows something different. Maybe he didn't actually kick the guy. Or even, the guy barely moved backwards. Cassian must not have kicked him that hard. Okay, Oilers. I'm just going to stop you for a second. If you have to argue to the degree at which you kick someone with a skate on, you're making the wrong argument. You're losing that argument. Yeah, how can you trust these people as reliable, air quotes, journalists if they're trying to defend someone who kicks someone with a knife on their feet? I don't care what team it is. If anyone on the Flames did that, I would gawk at the screen and wonder how many brain cells they had. Because you can't do that in hockey. So, it's Zach Cassian. Clean it up, man. You've been involved in some things. You got the benefit out of the doubt of the Kachuk thing because it's Matthew Kachuk and everyone (laughs) hates him more. But, you know, you're really making a bad name for yourself by kicking people with skates on. Don't do that. Yeah, so my scorn is the exact same Mm. thing. Um, Yeah, (laughs) not much else to say. You can't kick a guy when you have skates on. It seems so obvious, but I guess we have to say it. Uh, an added level to my hatred of this is like two weeks ago in our last episode, I just said how good the Cassian signing was, not only because he's a decent player with good stats, but because of his character and <laughs> goodness in the room and he's, yeah, builds the team up and, and now he kicks a guy. Like, come on, that that just, you're making me look bad, Zach. Come <laughs> he's on. He's the heart and soul of the team, but he might not be the brains of the operation. Definitely there. not. All right, well, now we're going to predict how well uh, our teams are going to do over the next couple weeks. Um, Oilers are currently playing right now. We don't know what's going on there because we're covering this in a CIA basement with no cell reception. That's not true at all, but we just don't know the score. Uh, So we're not going to include that game against Boston in our predictions, but we will uh, predict for the next few games between February 20th and March 1st. So in that time, Oilers have five games, Flames have six, takes us right through trade deadline. So who knows what will happen there to mix things up? Probably nothing. (laughs) Our teams could just completely swap rosters. You don't know. Yeah, I've seen that happen before in the (laughs) NBA, but (laughs) (laughs) 
This is true. Uh, who do you want to start with? Why don't we start with the Oilers? All right. So, yeah, they've got five games. Mm-hmm. I looked at the schedule and I thought they'd win three of them. I can't remember why I thought that now. <laughs> Uh, no, like the schedule doesn't look too difficult. Uh, they're doing fairly well right now. I think they're going to win three out of five games. I can tell you why you think they're going to win Please more do. than 500. It's because they're playing such world beaters as the Wild, the Kings, the Ducks. And if they continue on the trajectory you told about, about you know scoring four goals a game and Dreisaitl, you know breaking Gretzky's career records. I'm sure you said that or something, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Not, yeah, not quite. Getting that. 130 points in a game. I can't remember what you said. But if he does that, I think the Oilers are going to go 4-1. and one Because, wow. I mean, you score a lot of goals. You get McDavid back sometime soon. I, I think you're if you can continue this role, the flame, pardon me, the not flames, <laughs> the Oilers are going to do just fine. And for the Flames, they have six games in that time span. Five of them happen to be road games. Um, I have them going three and three because, well, they have two games against Boston and one game against Tampa Bay. I'm not saying they're going to lose all of those, but there's a pretty solid chance <laughs> they're going to lose the majority of those. So it's going to be a long road trip, a nine-day road trip, apparently. They're out of Calgary and heading to the East Coast, so that's going to be a little bit rough. So I'm predicting they'll go 500 and continue this crazy, you know, world beaters one day and then bottom feeders the next day sort of thing. Yeah, I was uh, less confident in the Flames' ability for the next few weeks. Um I have them winning two out of the six. Like like you already said, Boston twice, Tampa Bay in there. Uh, Panthers and Predators are also in there who are, you know, good teams, not as good as the others. Um, and Detroit, which should be. <laughs> we watched the Flames lose 8-4 to Chicago, so yeah, anything can happen. I don't want to say like a sure thing. <laughs> That's probably going to be like the one they win. Uh, <laughs> probably. But, uh, well, now that I've said it, it's going to be like the one they lose. Yeah, I'm going to beat everyone else. Yeah, it, it looks like a pretty hard schedule. And as you said, it's all on the road uh, for the most part. So doesn't look great for them. I think they're going to win only two out of the six. That being said, you want to hear a crazy stat? I do, always. The, the Flames, who are trying to squeak into the playoffs in the Pacific, have the fourth best road record in the NHL. Huh. Yeah, somehow the Flames can't get her done at the Saddle Dome. So that just popped to mind. I forgot about that until now. I'm just going to stick with my prediction, but bear that in mind. The Flames are much better on the road than they are at home. That could have a you know, pretty big impact in this road trip. It could. We will see if that uh, changes or not from this road trip. See if it can hold up. Definitely. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. We really appreciate everyone that downloads and listens to the fruits of our labor. We'll be back in, you know, approximately a couple weeks at the beginning of March after the trade deadline happens to break down what our teams did and or didn't do. Looking at it right now, I'm going to say they're not going to do a whole lot, but we'll see. So thanks again for listening. Please rate, like, and comment. Tell your friends and family about us. Anybody that listens spreads the word for us, and that is amazing. So thanks once again for listening, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.